you you have to you have to give people space to be able for them to grow as well i think that's like a quite standard phrase to stand out but if you do that i also think that you get people to grow a lot hi there welcome to the e-commerce a to z podcast where we teach you how to start and grow a thriving e-commerce business Our guest for today's episode is Anders Ankalit, the CEO of A Good Company. A Good Company is a 100% remote startup focused on creating elegant, thoughtful and sustainable everyday products with production materials that have the least environmental impact. Anders and his team always work the extra mile to improve their products and processes and to ensure that they always are as responsible as they can humanly be. Now, they believe that they can transform mindless consumption into conscious decisions. They sweat about every single detail about their product. My name is Jifa Mensah and I'm your host for the e-commerce A to Z podcast. Let's delve right into the conversation. Hello. Hi. Nice. How are you doing? Uh, well, thanks. Um, it's a bit of uh, upside down with everything due to the to the outbreak, yeah. but all in all, it's good. We are hopeful that things will get better. Yes. You know, across the yeah. globe. Yeah. No, I totally agree on that. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take us back to how you started a good company yeah sure um tell us about the idea yeah the background behind a good company um summer of 2018 was unbearably hot here in sweden where i'm living um during summertime we uh, me my wife and our three kids lives at the at our country house where basically my wife has grown up it's a small farm uh with 10 cows a little lake a well uh and so on really uh a close to nature life if you like and summer 2018 started in our vacation time started in june uh at that time was a management consultant traveled a lot through all across EMEA working with c-suite executives about transformation programs and so on and so forth uh but the since it was no rain the temperature was five six degrees uh higher than than typical what happened was that uh the well dried out uh it hasn't done that for 150 years uh and the grass was was burnt so our 10 cows couldn't eat anything typically they just are are uh walking and eating uh, from the grass of, of outside of the, at the farm. So we had to spend a vast majority of time just keeping them alive uh, since they, we care for them as, as family members. That sparked something. So maybe I was the latest person on earth uh, figuring out that climate change was ac- actually happening in reality. Uh, I never thought about it before, which is kind of sad now looking in retrospect, but that's how it was. So. I decided to quit my job. I aligned with two partners who has been previous customers to me uh, and basically sold my my shares at the management consultant firm uh, and invested it in a good company. And the vision behind a good company is to 
design, uh, manufacture and sell uh, sustainable everyday products where you don't compromise between design and sustainability. And we spent a lot of time during uh, the end of 2018 figuring out how we can ship things in a at least climate neutral manner since we saw a lot of sustainable options out there but scratching the surface of them uh, if you were still shipping them in two big cardboard boxes or if you were shipping them in a lot of plastic the potential surplus of an environmental friendly product versus a conventional one didn't add up. So we spent a lot of time first starting with thinking about how can we get a fair and for the environment okay solution for the logistics. Uh, so that's the background behind a good company. And now we are benefiting a lot when we are launching new product categories and new products uh, into our assortments that we started thinking about the aspect of, of shipping items. Um, so that's the product and that's uh, the story behind a good company. And now we are selling to 55 countries a month. Uh, we have a very uh, solid growth rate, a healthy growth rate, I would say, month by month basis. And a lot of appreciations from our customers since we try to care for, for all details behind a, behind a product from how it's made to, yeah, how it's it comes to you as a as an end consumer at the at the very end of the product journey. How do you choose which product to to venture in at every point? In yeah, time? so we we are at every every uh, every second available. We are maybe working on twenty to twenty five different projects or products. Uh, so we have six base categories, which we see are um good for 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 our niche we try to avoid electronics we try to avoid uh big products such as like bicycles and so on since it's complicated to ship that in a in a the solution we have picked uh but for for and our categories are we we are focusing on personal care we are focusing on mobile where we have our mobile case made here in, in Sweden by the waste of the linseed. We are having known disposable categories, uh, an assortment I hope we can we can grow a lot. Um, we are working uh, on the stationary categories since we see a trend where people are moving away from digital tools into some extent into using old-fashioned like stationary items and product around that as well. So that's our base categories and when you're developing something sustainable where you're looking into raw materials when you're looking into how to package them how to distribute them how to disrupt a traditional product or a traditional product category it's a benefit to use uh the knowledge over a broad scope of uh product at the same time since most of the time what happens is that we have to go back to drawing table and start over again so if we were doing it one by one, uh, it will take us a tremendous time to launch something. Uh, and I can see that we're also working on a, on a sustainable circular clothing line, which I, when we started working on the project, thought that we could launch within maybe six to nine months. We are now entering in month 14 with that project and we are not 
it's it's we're getting progress but we have a long way to walk before we can deploy it since it's so complicated with all of the aspects of developing a clothing line if you're doing it uh in a proper manner so so that's the a long answer to your quite short question you were just talking about the clothing line the upcoming clothing line which is taking more months to execute than expected on the regular talk to me about the entire process of say the mobile cases line right from time of conception till yeah we have product yeah sure so the mobile cases they are out since uh, the third week of december we have worked on that project since august 2018 so i think it's approximately 15 months or fix maybe 14 months of, of total project time where we started is we uh as you do i think with most product development you start with yourself and your relatives and your nearby friends and so on and what i can see from from where i live and where i have friends is that most of them are using some sort of protective phone case then we realized that all uh phone cases out on the market today were if they were uh environmental friendly they were kind of ugly or if they wasn't environmental friendly they were made out of plastic and often it was also made out of a mix between two uh different plastics pe and pp so one was soft and one was hard and that is devastating to the environment both since plastic is is fossil fuel based but also that it makes it uh impossible to recycle since you have two fractions mixed in into a quite small piece so we started to look for a uh, alternative where we wanted to use a plant-based uh, option instead and sweden has a lot of of hectares of of soil where you can grow things and we were always looking into finding an option nearby close by since we were so involved in the actual process of making it but also due to that when you're working with a new type of progressive material so many things go south in the beginning it's not stable it's complicated and it was easier for us since we tried to avoid uh, 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 traveling by air to go to uh, different vendors uh, to work nearby so we found a farmer 45 minutes from where i live um, who grew and grows uh, linseed uh, and he sells the linseed crop to the food industry but then he has like 96 or 97 percent of the plant it's just waste for him so that we were and, and linseed is very or linse the flax plant is actually very very strong it's been used to make clothing lines for our clothes for a long time uh, and it contains a lot of uh, uh, starch. And starch is a very good binding material. So we started experiment, uh, experimenting with that. And after a few months, we were able to to like heat it, cool it, make pellets out of it. And from that, if you can make pellets out of something, you typically can injection mold it into a mold, which is how you make a mobile phone case. So from the other way around, we started making molds. We started to uh identified which uh, phone case models uh and the gap which i spoke to you about uh in the beginning was all about making it as as looking as a fashion design case but with all of the benefits of a sustainable case so we also had to figure out the way how to add on prints uh 
on it in a with a water-based technique. So it was a long, long, um, a lot of meltdowns during the journey from everything that the material didn't stick uh, to that the color didn't stick to that uh, we had issues with uh, melting points uh, and so on and so forth. But since the third week of December, we are selling them. Uh, we are selling them really well. And we're now growing out the assortment with new type of both uh, designs, but also new type of phone models which is the logical step to move into. So we're moving into the space of, of Android phones, uh, new coming iPhone models, but also other type of phones as well to support a broader community with, with the same product. That's a lot of work going in for a phone case. Yeah, that's, that is true, <laughs> that I can admit. It's a lot of time and energy behind it. And I think when you're developing something, it's not the at, the, at the end when you're releasing the product, everything looks so simple, but developing something from scratch is not about the options you make, it's about the options you look into, but then decide to jump. So we have maybe evaluated before we picked flax as the base raw material, we maybe looked into 15 other materials and checked their composition, how can we source it? Is it good when we source it? Or is it is it actually something that we are stealing from someone who could eat it? Which could be the case with, with cornstarch as one example, which is a quite popular progressive material as well. And even though that they have specific corn only made, uh, only produced to make uh, non-food based cornstarch products is still the case that if you can also pick at that specific soil to actually <clears throat> uh, produce uh, corn who a person can eat. So we really try to think and find the material where we only use the waste. So we're not producing any material for the purpose of making a phone case. We're only taking care of a uh, waste material from something that was supposed to be made for something else. The e-commerce A to Z podcast is brought to you by Kudobas Reviews. Over 70% of online shoppers refer to reviews before making a purchase. According to them, reviews serve as social proof and aid them in making purchase decisions. Collect reviews from your customers and display them on your website to convert your visitors into buyers. Join over 25,000 online merchants in the Kudubas family and start boosting your sales now. The Kudubas Reviews app is available on Shopify, BigCommerce, Wix, Weebly, and WordPress. Check out kudubas.com for more. You are big on remote and your entire team is run fully remotely. Tell us how you resolved at that and how you go about your hiring process. Yes. So I think the, the general idea for if it's not from the personal standpoint is I was quite tired of wearing a suit and uh, serving up at meetings all the time. Uh, didn't fit our family situation quite good either since I have free quite small kids and are trying to be present with them so it made sense to have a flexible job and we have people where we need to have them 
and we don't see boundaries as something that should limit ourselves. And since we don't have an office, no one is included and no one is excluded. So as one example, we are producing a lot of our uh, goods at family-owned factories in Asia. Therefore, it makes sense to have people locally there who can go and meet them on a really close basis. So we have three people working out of, of uh, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Then we use, since we sell to basically uh, all time zones, we have to have customer service people locally present in different times. So we don't have to have people working night shifts and so on and so forth. So we have a customer service team in uh, uh, Jamaica, in Argentina. Uh, we, we are helping out here, obviously, for Europe as well, and um, in the Philippines. And that made, when we just made a spider web of how can we serve people around the clock, so everyone can always, someone can always tag in when, when someone is leaving. Um, then we work with local translators and content writers. Uh, these we have in Barcelona, Italy, uh, France and Germany, and it makes sense for us to work with local people, even though that a lot of people obviously in Sweden can also handle German. It's cultural differences if you're living in Munich or Berlin or something, or if you're outside due to the words you pick and so on and so forth. And when it comes into marketing, which is marketing and product development, product development are we actually doing from Sweden? So our two industrial designers, except for me, are working at the same place. So we meet physically once a week or something and do like look at materials and so on that makes sense for that group to to stay aligned but the other uh, our communication team is distributor as well so we try not to limit ourselves we, we look at where can we find the best resource and where can we be fair to that person so that person can work daytime and and still do a, a proper job and it's quite nice actually in the in the morning to wake up uh, shake your slack and you see a lot of activities have actually happened during the night so we get on different type of projects depending on what it is of course but if we do a a product development there's always someone who can tag in and do things and then the other team wakes up and check in and continue progressing in that so i think also we save a lot of a lot of time and and i think there's a good side in a in a world where um, a lot of people are afraid for one another that we have like what, what do we have 11 different nationalities i think that's beneficial for us looking at the fact that right now thanks to the covid 19 a lot of teams have been forced to work remotely and we've been doing this for a while now and you've done it well maybe there's a good time to like chip in on some tips you know hacks for like companies that are new to this whole remote yeah thing. and it's easier also yeah. to understand so since we have like we, we're not selling that much in percent to south america it's a growing market for us it is a advantage to have someone uh in this case living in buenos aires since we more can understand what happens locally and we can maybe faster adapt to uh changing transporter to south america rather than getting it from a like a global notice from dhl we can maybe be more fast-footed if you like and as we had uh, also suffered a lot from the corona outbreak especially with the people we have in these uh, um, areas who are really suffering but at least we didn't have to do 
and learn everyone how to work remote. That was already in place. Uh, and now we have people who cannot focus on anything else just than taking care of their, their families. Since if you're living in Milan, in Italy, what you have to focus on, obviously, is to handle the outbreak. But if we would have all our people in Milan or all our people as where I'm living in Stockholm, Sweden, and Stockholm, Sweden is going into a massive quarantine, which I don't know if it would happen or not, that hits the business uh, harder than if you are a remote team who are maybe, I can see now in, in Hong Kong as one example, they are back at full speed. They have been really suffering January and February with school closed. Uh, all around has been just a complete mess, but now they are ramping up and then we can obviously benefit from that and maybe leaning some more uh, task to that team where Europe is in the face of uh, like the uh, the hotspot uh, of the quarantine period. Okay, so are there any parts of your business that you outsource? Um, we work with consultants on a on a basis of expertise so with our clothing project as one example which is too complicated to just do with our designers who has no experience into fashion and clothing we work with a she's also a friend of mine uh we work with a local designer that help us with material composition and testing and dyeing and so on and so forth uh our warehouse is a uh, outsourced solution where we though i would say are involved in all kinds of processes. We care for how they work, we care for which electricity they use, we care how they pack our products to our customers. We have, to some extent, our own equipment there, not only like packaging material, but also we have placed our own engraving machines there at the Warehouse Direct. Uh, and we're looking into doing more and more of that, even though that we are not uh, direct employeeing uh, our stuff. Uh, but since, um, so that's a thing we, we outsource. We don't see that we are the best fitted company to uh, run a warehouse. I've been doing that before with my other uh, companies from the past. And it's, it's, it's a specific competence to, to work with that. And we don't see that we are really, we are more of a design brand and marketing team rather than a logistic team. Uh, so that's a thing we outsource. And that's been going well so far? So far, as, uh, there's always there's always uh, complications, of course. Uh, nothing is a smooth ride running an e-commerce store. The one that says that is either not seeing the full picture or is telling a lie. So there's always things to tweak. And of course, it could be annoying not just to call up and have a conversation direct with a packer. Uh, which we can always do with our own people. But we try to find our ways. And so far, we have been satisfied. And the good thing is that since we have uh, uh, been growing quite a, quite a much, um, it's easier for us to do that without sort solution. We don't have to think about capacity limits or we don't have to think about when we are uh, having a... a article in the guardian about us and suddenly we sell thousands of toothbrushes in an hour we don't have to care about the capacity issues with that but in all in all it goes well but as with everything you do even if it's outsourced or not outsourced it can still be complicated uh 
And the good thing is that we have great contact persons. Um, we try to be very human with them and we try to understand their situation. They are also now suffering, obviously, since every, every part of the world are suffering with their operations of the outbreak. And then we try to listen in on that. And um, I don't think there's a position now where you set demands and be very strict about SLAs and so on and so forth. I think if you do that and push them in a sensitive period, which this obviously is, then you're just going to end up with having an enemy in the long term. And we try to be nice with people rather than, than push them to the, to the limits. What, what would you say an e-commerce business should look out for when they are outsourcing their logistics and warehouse? And... I think what's uh, there are so many options. I think that's a complicated thing. Uh, to be honest, that's one of the most, there are so many options and everyone is, is bragging. I think with, with uh, everyone, I think th what we looked at was first, how can we uh, get the emission rates to uh, as low as possible? How do you route things at the first line, not the, the last mile delivery, the first line of delivery? How do you get them to the central hubs? And where our warehouse is located, we can rail things to Leipzig, which is like DLL, uh, DLL's, uh, DHL's uh, major hub, or we can route things to Finland that we can do by truck, or we can do it by rail as well, where UPS has a big, ra uh, big route or a big uh, hub to, to ship overseas. And um, that's the things which I would start with if you care for the environment, which I hope that everyone does. Secondly, is to actually meet with the people. Uh, we spent a few days at the warehouse just walking around, understand the processes and so on. And if you're not doing that and trying to understand the myriad of options you have if you're running a, in this case, then a warehouse, uh, you only can look at price. And something, this wasn't the cheapest option, but they have a, uh, we got a good sense for the people. It seems that they care for their staff and they care for things that are important for us. Uh, how do you get the electricity? How do you take care of like uh, the recycling aspect of the operations? And I think if, if companies or an outsourcing companies care for these details into some extent, that has also mean that they care for other things as well. So that's the things we look into and at the end of the day what matters the most is not if you're sending if you're saving 0.1 euro per shipment or if it's if you get a good contact and you get a great understanding for one another's business and that goes both ways then when obstacles happens it's easier to find solution and not become enemies uh, fixing these. So that's that's the aspect we are uh, looking into. And I'm sure that many, many other companies, they are only looking into SLA rates, pick and block time, um, uh, low carrier costs, but all that comes also when you can present a good volume. But I think the, the warehouse religion pretty much driven by like the FDAs of Amazon and so on. It's all about productivity. And I think honestly, there's more things rather than just productivity to care for if you're setting up a long-term uh, partnership with one another. Now let's talk about the Good Foundation. How did you come about that idea? And 
how do you go about running the foundation from the proceeds? Yeah, so a good foundation is a fairly new thing. Uh, it, it comes, it sparked from that we saw that we can do a lot of good things to the world. Uh, and then we obviously started with the research aspect, what are others doing? And there are initiatives where they're offsetting a part of the profit, they are offsetting, uh, they are buying, they could buy a tree so they can extend products, give one, buy one, and so on and so forth. Um, what we saw with that is that that uh, one was hard to control. I mean, profit in to all extent is pretty much controlled by uh, the management of the company. And the, if the management of the company doesn't like to serve the purpose of, of showing a profit, then they can avoid it uh, while tricking the balance sheet or something like that. So first we decided to do the other way around. We should, we should, we should work with one thing in our uh, reporting we cannot, uh, we cannot trick, and that is the uh, turnover. So we offset part of our turnover, 4% to be precise. And that maybe sound like a very small amount, but if you compare 4% of the turnover with 1% or even 50% of the profit, it's a completely different ballgame. Uh, profits, 50% of the profit, if the profit is zero, then what you're giving is also zero. Uh, secondly, we looked into what can we do at a long-term perspective. Uh, and what's really helping is not giving away another product. There's, if you have, if you're living in a less fortune country than Sweden, uh, just getting products would only create dependencies. So what we are focusing on with a good foundation is to support one local initiatives and really benefit from our people, which we have all around the world. But more, most importantly, doing long-term things. So we set off to uh, invest and fund education. Uh, and we do this into the topics where we see that we have something to bring to the table, such as climate change, such as recycling, things which we can actually have an opinion on and maybe come up with good advices rather than just uh, sending money to the Red Cross, even though that I see that the Red Cross is doing great things, but they are not that well connected to what we do. And then it made more sense for us doing that. And the last part about setting it up ourselves was to avoid uh, having a lot of admin fees. And um, I saw a video about Charity Waters, who has like a really bold promise where uh, all donations go 100% to where it's needed and in their case it's about cleaning up cleaning like giving fresh water and we do the same bold promise so these four percent hundred percent of these four percent goes to supporting the activities we engage in then we have to use our other resources to uh pay for admin and so on and so forth but i think it's an important aspect for the customer to see okay i'm buying something for let's say 10 euros out of that then 40 euro cents would actually go to 100% supporting this specific initiative. And it's easy to communicate and it feels good in the stomachs. So that's what, why, why we decided to, to, uh, uh, to set it up uh, for ourselves.
How long has it been running? We, we launched it in the beginning of 2020. We worked on it maybe quarter three and quarter four, 2019, but it takes a lot of time thinking about, you know, finding the angles, set up the, uh, um, the structure, finding local initiatives and so on and so forth. But we launched it in, uh, in the beginning of 2020. Are there any personal business strategies you've developed over time running a good company? In the, uh, what was the question? Personal strategies? Yeah, yeah, personal uh, business strategies. Yeah, I think one strategy we try to apply, or at least I try to apply, is to get people to feel accountable. So we work with a very simple, but also very precise uh steering process where everyone has two KPIs which they are accountable for who which they also can influence and that we check on um, every month so the same it goes bottom up in the in the complete organization so everyone hopefully knows what they are accounted for uh, and and act on that and, and uh, yeah, take care of these KPIs what I have tried to focus on when we are growing a little bit, which we are doing now, is to get uh, uh, the organizations to work more with one another rather than working through me or working through someone. So I have stepped out from a lot of conversations between like product development and communication or product development uh, brand expression which for us is like how do we take photos of the product how do we describe it how do we write copy and so on and instead of being involved in these processes uh, i have stepped away and really let these people who are responsible for it uh, uh, run their run their uh, uh, function uh, without me being involved obviously they can always contact me if they want want uh, information but i think that's where we are as a brand and it's, that's tricky every day you always like to get all of your fingers in every jar but then you also are becoming a massive bottleneck for yourself so that's what i'm i'm uh, from a from a personal level trying to focus on and really also try to be uh, responsible for the things I'm responsible for and I'm not responsible for our brand expression we have uh, Michaela who's responsible for that so let, let her do that and I have other responsibilities to uh, uh, work on and, and enable and that's what I should spend my time on you you have to you have to give people space to be able for them to grow as well i think that's like a quite standard phrase to set out but if you do that i also think that you get people to grow a lot uh so yeah it's it has been a, a rough ride doing that so early on from the from a brand perspective into some extent but very very necessary so what's your overall customer acquisition plan how do you uh, think yeah, we bring a lot of customers in. Obviously, we are online channels. So Facebook and Google is our main like customer acquisition channels. We try to focus a lot on how can we get people to become, I hate this word, but in, in the lack of a better one, uh, ambassadors for our brand. And I think everything about that then is to tell our brand story. Uh, what do we do? Uh, why do we do what we do? 
the background behind our products and so on. And that we can see in, in terms of like referral, direct traffic and so on is, is working well. What we are also working on a lot is to write and make good content, which we as um, individuals would care for. So that's the reason and the rationale behind uh, we emptied a grocery store of everything that contained plastic. We're not doing it to sell something that doesn't contain plastic since we don't have a, a grocery store product, but we make it to raise awareness. And obviously if we can be the spokesperson behind that, then maybe someone would see that and say, hey, this was a great campaign. Let's check out this brand. And I don't see anywhere nearby where Facebook and Google will become less competitive. So for us to, to uh, earn content and be more... Um, uh, self-depending or self-independent on, on that it's uh, essential to to stay in business have you read any books you know since you started this business and if you have which which books are your favorite and yeah. which ones would you recommend to other entrepreneurs yeah i'm i'm um try to read a little a little every day and not ending the day with checking my my uh my emails i think the one which uh if i should give a simple advice on that is a good book is it has some years now uh to it i don't it could be um maybe four or five years something like that i think it's a it's a book called the four disciplines of execution uh it's about uh narrowing down your kpis and make people being accountable and so on so i think that's a really good book to read uh, I would also state out that especially Medium is a great source to run and really deep dive into a topic. I read New York Times and Medium way more than, than I read books. What's your final advice for upcoming entrepreneurs and then assisting entrepreneurs? I think the, the big trend which we see, which we also to some extent are, are benefiting from, is that uh, climate change is on everyone's lips. It's been a little since the COVID outbreak. Uh, now everyone is speaking about the corona, obviously, but I think that's a, that's a thing that uh, will erode and then people come back to speaking about climate change. I think if I would start a business uh, and think about that, you have to start with how can we do something that's good for the climate? And I see that now a lot of, if you look at our like customers, the first year or the first six months was still early adopters which means like women into the 25 to 35s main making most of the orders we see a trend now where a lot of other people from different side of the demographics are are making that uh both younger but also older and that's the main advice you cannot just start a brand today i think if you do that and you're not caring for all of the aspects you are one doing a bad thing for yourself, for the environment, but you're also hurting and taking a massive risk on being uh, either out-competed or out of business uh, sooner than you can afford. Since I, I truly believe, and I could be wrong, and I would be very sad if I am, that all customers within, let's say, two years would take decisions on the environmental aspect and not only the fast fashion or or the design aspect or the price aspect uh, of a product okay 
Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having thank me. It was for, a pleasure speaking with you. It was too. And I thank you for you know reminding us about the climate changes, environmental sustainability, and building business that actually serves the society whilst being purposeful as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, tell your friends about it and share on social media. As always, take care of yourself and stay safe. My name is Jifa Menza. See you next week.